1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: You can only do that once you have been endued with power by the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit does it through you. You can never do it in your own flesh. Again, not for very long and not very consistently. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in your life as a believer. It's not that you need to try harder or do more or come up with more gimmicks. You need the power of the Holy Spirit working through your life. That's the difference.
1: Have you ever tried to work for God in your own strength? How did that turn out? Pastor Dan shares with us today that we can't produce in our strength what God can produce in His. The Holy Spirit is key to kingdom success. Sure, we can do some things without Him, but we are building on sand. The guidance of the Holy Spirit is so precise that success is inevitable let's remember that the Holy Spirit can see into our future and He directs us supernaturally to accomplish His goals. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 20 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: A self-righteous person is envious of God's grace and generosity to people. A self-righteous person will complain and say, well, that's not fair. I've been serving the Lord since I was four years old. And you're telling me someone can get saved at 80? And they're going to get a reward too? And they might get the same reward as me? Or they might get more of a reward than me? We shouldn't be envious of God's generosity. That's what he says here in verse 15. Is your eye evil because I'm good? We shouldn't be envious of God's generosity to others. Even in this life, I know we're talking about eternal rewards, but. If God blesses someone more than you. Or God blesses someone differently from you. Don't be envious. Don't be jealous, don't complain, don't grumble about it. Friend, God is doing you no wrong. God is doing you no wrong. In First Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 26, Paul says, if one member of the body of Christ is honored, then all the members of the body should rejoice with it. If God is generous with another person in the body of Christ, we should say, praise the Lord. We should all rejoice that God has, a, has been extra generous to that brother or sister in Christ. The Bible says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. And if I'm envious of someone else, or I'm jealous of someone else, or I begin to complain, why do they get that? I've only got this and rah, 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 rah. that's self righteousness in my heart. That's me grumbling about the grace of God. And do I really want God to judge me? Based on my performance? Do we want that now to be the standard instead of grace and generosity? And so he says in verse 16, for many are called, but few are chosen. God has called many of us to labor in his vineyard, all of us, in fact. But a few he has chosen to receive a greater reward. And we should rejoice. We should rejoice because of God's goodness to that brother or sister in Christ. And so now that brings us to verse 17. And in verse 17, it says, Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside on the road, and he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and the third day he will rise again. Now, this is the third time that Jesus predicts his death and resurrection and tells his disciples about it. And they're getting closer to Jerusalem. They're on their way to Jerusalem. And once again, he pulls them aside and tells them what will happen. The cross was not an unforeseen tragedy that happened to Jesus Christ. It wasn't this terrible twist in the story that no one saw coming. The cross was always God's plan to save mankind. And notice the words that Jesus used to describe what will happen to him in Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be betrayed, condemned, delivered, mocked, scourged, and crucified. Jesus didn't have a vague idea of what's going to happen to him when he gets to Jerusalem. It wasn't that it was like, you know, it's kind of foggy, a little fuzzy, but I I have an idea of what's going to happen. No, he knew precisely what would happen to him. And he still went. He still went to Jerusalem and he endured the betrayal and the condemnation and the mocking and the shame and the scourging and the crucifixion for us. For you and for me. So that you can sit here today with your sins forgiven so that you can sit here today reconciled to God with the assurance of eternal life filled with the spirit of God. So that you can have an inheritance reserved for you. In heaven, he endured all of that to make a way of salvation for us. And he knows what he's walking into. Now, verse 20 says, then the mother. So he just told his disciples what's going to happen. And then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And so now Zebedee's sons, this would be James and John here. So this is the mother of James and John. She was also among the followers of Jesus. Uh, we'll see her at the cross when Jesus was crucified. She came to Jesus with her two sons, James and John, on behalf of her two sons. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit One on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. Now she's kneeling as she says this to Jesus. Now just look back in chapter 19 at verse 28. Chapter 19, verse 28. Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus said to his 12 disciples in the kingdom, you 12, the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles, will sit on 12 thrones and rule over the 12 tribes of Israel. Wow, amazing. I can't believe it. But that wasn't good enough for the mother of James and John. (laughs) She says, well, which, which two thrones will my two sons sit on? There's 12 which two will my babies be sitting on during the kingdom age? And she actually goes to Jesus and asks if her sons can have the two best seats and the kingdom, one on his right hand and the other on his left. And so you can picture here the mother of James and John. She comes and she kneels before Jesus and just, Jesus, I know that you're really busy. I know that you're on your way to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world. I've just got one small question, one simple little request. And you give my two babies the two most important positions in the kingdom? That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> I hope there's a video of this in heaven. I just want to see the expression on Jesus's face <laughs> when she asked this question. And James and John are standing there. And so Jesus said to them, you don't know what you ask. Now, again, I, I have so many questions about this story. Like, how did he say that? Did he say that? gently, lovingly? Or was there a little bit of an edge to it? You don't even know what you're asking. You know, and if you'll excuse me, I need to go die for your sins right now. I'm on my way to Jerusalem. <laughs> and how many times have we asked for things and we didn't really know what we were asking for? We thought we knew what we were asking for. We thought we knew what was best for us. And Jesus just looked at us and said, you don't, you don't even know what you're asking for. And you'll thank me later for saying no to this request. Aren't you grateful for the times that Jesus said no to you? Where would we be? And all the stupid things we requested of him. And so, verse 22 Jesus said, You don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink in Jerusalem? be baptized with a baptism that I'm about to be baptized with immersed is the idea here, and they said to him, We're able <laughs> The cup Jesus was about to drink was the cup of God's wrath for the sins of the world. He was about to be baptized or immersed in God's wrath on the cross. If you remember when Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, he prayed, Father, if it is possible." Let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And James and John, they, they confidently said, we're able. Yeah, yeah we, we can drink the cup you're going to drink. Yeah, yeah, we can handle the baptism you're going to be baptized with. We're able. If you think about James and John, James and John both slept in Gethsemane when they should have prayed. They ran from Jesus and forsook him. When he was arrested, they failed Jesus in his hour of need. You know, we give Peter a hard time for being overconfident and saying he will never deny the Lord, and then he denied the Lord. Well, James and John were guilty of the same thing. They, they said, we're, oh yeah, we're able. We're able to drink the cup you're about to drink and be baptized with the baptism you're about to be baptized with. But they weren't able. or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of
1: Truth radio ministry as we bring the word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. But
2: look at verse 23. So he said to them, You will indeed, future here, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. He says, You will be able to drink the cup and be baptized with the baptism of Jesus. They're going to fail in Gethsemane, they're going to fail when Jesus is arrested. But James and John will be able to drink the cup and be baptized with the baptism of Jesus once they're empowered by the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. That's the difference. Just like with Peter. Peter denied the Lord to a little girl who said, aren't you one of his disciples? No, I don't know anything about him. But then once Peter was baptized with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, then he stood up in front of thousands and boldly declared the gospel to thousands What was the difference? The Holy Spirit. And for James and John, once they're empowered by the Holy Spirit, they'll be able to drink the cup and go through the baptism. They couldn't do it in their own strength and power. They had to be endued with power from on high. And listen, give me your attention. You cannot follow Jesus Christ successfully in your own strength. Not for very long. We can only follow Christ and drink the cup that he has for us and be baptized with the baptism he has for us because he's got a cup for you to drink. He's got a baptism for you to go through. You can only do that once you have been endued with power by the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit does it through you. You can never do it in your own flesh. Again, not for very long and not very consistently. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in your life as a believer. It's not that you need to try harder or do more or come up with more gimmicks. You need the power of the Holy Spirit working through your life. That's the difference. The Holy Spirit is the difference maker in the life of the Christian. And so verse 24. Now, when the 10 heard it, watch what happens here. When the 10 heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. <laughs> greatly dis- I'm greatly displeased with you, James and John right? It's not how we would say it, is it? But I want you to note here what happens, because it's important. Even though James and John were unsuccessful at securing the highest positions in the kingdom, their selfish ambition immediately created a division among the disciples. Now you've got 10 disciples against two disciples, and the 10 disciples are greatly displeased or indignant with the two. And this is always what selfish ambition or a personal agenda does in the body of Christ. You get one or two or a handful of people that have personal ambitions or a personal agenda in the body of Christ or in a local church, it always divides and it always leaves people feeling wronged and indignant. About, I can't believe you did this to us. And feeling like they've been robbed. That's what it does. Now, Jesus, of course, will use this as a teachable moment. So verse 25, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Jesus says, this is how the world does things. This is how the world does things. In the world, you use your personal ambition to get yourself to the top. In the world, you position yourself And you get yourself into a position of authority. That's how the world operates. Verse 26. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. In the kingdom of God, the way to be great is to be the servant of all. In the world, one measure of greatness is how many people you have authority over. Or how many people are under you. And the more people you have under you, the greater authority you have. In the kingdom of God, it's inverted. Greatness is measured by how many people you serve. How many people are over you? And the person who is first in the kingdom of God is the one who makes himself slave to all. And Jesus is our example of this. Look at verse 28. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve others. Philippians 2 says he humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation. He gave his life as a ransom for many. Literally, he gave his life a ransom in place of many. In place of many. Jesus died in our place on the cross. Taking the punishment for our sins as our substitute. As we just read in Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was put upon him. And By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He gave his life a ransom in place of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says of Jesus... Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And Jesus is our example that we follow in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, the question is, how can I use my life to enrich others for Christ? That's greatness in the kingdom of God. Not not who can serve me, not who can enrich my life. But how can I use my life to enrich others For Christ, you want a shot at one of those two seats? Use your life to enrich others for Christ. Now that brings us to our last section here in verse 29. We're cruising through this chapter. I was so concerned we're not going to make it, but we're going to make it. I can can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to get there. Now, as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Now, Jericho here... The geography is significant because Jericho was the last city before reaching Jerusalem. So Jesus now begins his final ascent up to Jerusalem and the beginning of his final week before the cross. The road from Jericho up to Jerusalem is about 15 miles long. Over the course of that 15 miles, it ascends 3,000 feet. And it takes about eight hours of walking uphill through the desert from Jericho. To Jerusalem, you can still walk the original Roman road that Jesus walked. Parts of it are still there. And as he's coming out of Jericho, behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Please note how how they address Jesus here. Now, the other gospel accounts tell us that one of the blind men was named Bartimaeus. And so we sometimes refer to him as blind Bartimaeus. And these two blind men, they're just sitting by the road. And as they're sitting by the road, a big crowd starts to pass by. And they ask what all the commotion is about. And someone tells them Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And somehow they've heard of Jesus. We don't know how, but somehow they know Jesus. They know who he is and they know that he's the Messiah. They know he's the Messiah because they call him the son of David, which is a messianic title. They were physically blind, but not spiritually blind to Jesus. There are many people who can see physically, but are blind spiritually. These guys are blind physically, but they can see spiritually. They know that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the son of David. They also know the Old Testament prophet said the Messiah will open the eyes of the blind. And so they cry out. Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Verse 31. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. Quiet. And then they cried out all the more, even louder. Have mercy on us. You want me to be quiet? I'll show you quiet. Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. The crowd told them to quiet down, but they were not going to let Jesus pass them by and miss this opportunity. They will not get another opportunity to call upon Jesus like this. This is their one opportunity. Jesus is walking by. Don't let it pass. And listen, today at the end of the service, you'll have an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ if you've never received him as your Lord and Savior. You'll have an opportunity to pray to Jesus if you need to pray about something Don't pass up the opportunity you have to call upon Jesus. You may not get another opportunity to call upon Jesus Christ. Adam Clark, in his commentary on this passage, said, Jesus is passing by and you are passing into eternity and probably will never have a more favorable opportunity than the present. So don't let it pass you by. And when the crowd told them to quiet down, they cried out all the more, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. They have an urgency here. They're not going to miss their chance with Jesus. And I love verse 32. So Jesus stood still. And isn't that great? He just stopped in his tracks right there in the middle of the road. Jesus will always respond when we call on him. If You call on Jesus today. He will respond to you. So verse 32. Jesus stood still and he called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? Interesting. Their need is obvious, but he wants them to ask. And they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. Lord, you're the Messiah. You can open the eyes of the blind. Lord, that our eyes may be open. And so Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Their eyes were opened, and immediately they began to follow Jesus up to Jerusalem and the cross beautiful picture here of our salvation. Jesus opens our eyes spiritually. The Bible says that we are in darkness, spiritual darkness, that we are blind apart from Christ. And then Jesus comes along into our life one day, and he opens our eyes spiritually, and then we follow him.
3: He asked me how I know, and I say bring sure true
1: You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. Pastor Dan has more to share with you next time, but if you have any questions or would like to talk to us and have any prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at 410-491-4592. The number again is 410-491-4592. You can also get in touch with us by visiting our website. Go to calvaryec.com and look under the About tab, then click on Contact. You're welcome to submit prayer requests on our website, too. If you're interested in finding additional messages from this series, you can access those at calvaryec.com as well, under the Media tab. Have you connected with a local church? If not, we encourage you to find a church family It will help guide and support you in your faith. If you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. Our website is a great place to find out what we believe. And you can also get to know Pastor Dan a little more. Feel free to explore and learn more at calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to gain some additional insights from this New Testament book. Pastor Dan will help bring some things to light for you right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I
3: recognize the hands that crack.